In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. The feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle that Jesus performs in every gospel. And though each evangelist has his own unique point of emphasis, there are common themes that govern all the accounts. The people have always been led by Jesus to a place where there is no food and where it would take substantial effort uh, to provide food for all the people who are present. This provides an overarching warning. If you're going to follow Jesus, expect to end up in a place where there's not enough of the things you need to sustain your life. Jesus will make you put your trust in him. The feeding miracles have two main points of reference. The first is the experience of the people in Israel, of Israel in the Old Testament after the Exodus. <clears throat> Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt in the Exodus, and then he promptly led them into a desert where there was no food. The people had been told that they were going to a land, quote, flowing with milk and honey, so they considered the desert destination a blatant case of bait and switch. And so they complained and murmured in the Old Testament phraseology. In response to their complaint, God gave them manna. And manna was this bread-like substance that formed from the dew every morning on the ground. And people went out each day and gathered the manna to eat that day. It was literally their daily bread. God commanded them not to store it, that is, you had to gather each day's bread for that day, except on Friday, when they could gather two days' supply so that they would not have to work on the Sabbath. The other point of reference is to the Eucharist, the sacramental food that Jesus gives to his people when we gather around the altar. By analogy, our life in this world is a journey through the wilderness on the way to the promised land. As we just said in the creed, I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. The Eucharist is the food that sustains us on our journey. <clears throat> it is not merely physical food, it is spiritual food. But it is not merely spiritual food, it is also physical food. Jesus is fully God and fully human. Our hope is for the resurrection of the body in life in a renewed creation, not merely an eternal disembodied spiritual ex existence. The Eucharist is the food of the new creation. It is the foretaste of the complete meal we will have in the kingdom, in a land truly flowing with milk and honey, in which, as Revelation says, quote, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, and there shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. All the feeding miracles emphasize that Jesus is the creator, who can control and expedite the creative processes. John's gospel, when we read beyond our account this morning, 
uniquely emphasizes that the people he fed did not understand this. Our gospel is the first 14 verses of John 6, and you should be familiar with what happens in the rest of John 6, and if you're not, consider that a reading assignment for this week. After the feeding miracle, Jesus actually tried to escape the crowd because he was aware that they did not understand what had just happened. The purpose of the feeding miracle performed by Jesus was to reveal himself to them so that they would put their faith and trust in him. However, what the people really understood was free food. Wouldn't it be great to have a king like this guy? We'd never have to worry about the things we need anymore. We call it a feeding miracle, but St. John refers to it more specifically as, quote, a sign. A sign points to something. The feeding miracle pointed to Jesus. Thus, if you understood or saw the sign in the truest sense, you would put your faith and trust in Jesus and you wouldn't worry so much about food because you would have discovered that Jesus always provides a way to supply our needs in the wilderness. If you did not understand the sign, you would see Jesus as a miracle worker and you would pursue him mainly to get more of the temporal things that he is miraculously able to provide. As Jesus said in John 6:26, quote, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, before the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. This is analogous to the way we approach the sacrament. The bread and wine are outward and visible signs of the body and blood of Jesus. If we see the signs, we will see Jesus in the miraculous way that created things when offered to God and consecrated become supernatural food. As we continually take the life of Jesus into ourselves through the sacrament and through our lives of prayer, we grow into eternal life, or eternal life grows in us. As Jesus said in John 6:54, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. If we don't see the signs, we will approach the sacrament and prayer mainly as a way to get Jesus to give us what we want. By the end of John 6, every single person Jesus had fed in the feeding miracle had stopped following him. They were not really interested in this eternal food. They just wanted their needs met right now. And this remains the point upon which people stumble in their faith. People love miracles and answers to prayers and signs and wonders. And God gives these to us 
to reveal himself to us. And then he takes these away from us and leads us into the wilderness to test and strengthen our faith and to see if there is any faith at all. Paradoxically, the wilderness is a place of revelation for those who see the signs. We think of the desert as a dry place, a place of lack. But spiritually, it is a place where the temporal things that distract our attention from God are stripped away so that we can see Christ more clearly. This is the reason we willingly enter into the Lenten wilderness. Fasting is not the purpose of Lent. The purpose of Lent is to discover Jesus in the wilderness. Fasting is merely a means to the end of Christ. We remove things that distract us, things that threaten to become idols and control us in order that we might grow in our repentance, grow in our faith, grow in our experience of union with Christ. As Moses explained to the Israelites after their wilderness wanderings, quote, you shall remember all the way the Lord your God led you through the wilderness these 40 years to humble you and test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you didn't know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. The fourth Sunday in Lent is called Refreshment Sunday. We are past the midway point in Lent. It is the first Sunday in Lent with no demons in our Gospels, and the feeding miracle points us to Christ, who is the end and goal of the fast. At this point in Lent, we should stop thinking about what we have given up and start thinking about how we are experiencing the presence of Christ in new ways. We have given up temporary foods and pleasures that perish. How are we seeking and how are we finding the food that endures to everlasting life? As Jesus said in John 6:49, quote, Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread that comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.